You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, welcome to Red Sea. I'm Josh. If I don't know you, I'd love to meet you after the service. Uh, we're going to be jumping into God's Word here. Uh, we are in a, a series on prayer. Uh, we started a tradition at Red Sea, uh, and I can call it that because this is our second year to do it. Um, we're we're going to start off the year talking about prayer. Uh, and I love the fact that uh, we're going to actually get into some real minutia of the prayer today, looking at particular ways to pray and, uh, and looking at how Paul had, had prayed. And some people would say, oh, it, it doesn't matter how you pray. You can say anything you want to God, you know. You can just, he doesn't really care, he'll he'll listen. And that's true, God does hear your prayers. But I think we can learn so much at looking at how, with the prayers of the scriptures and how they prayed and what they prayed for as a model for us when we we pray. Because unfortunately, many of our prayers are very selfish. We we pray for ourselves a whole lot. Uh, And in the scriptures, uh, they pray for each other a whole lot. You know, and they pray for God's will a whole lot. And so I want us to look at Ephesians today as a, as a great model for us of how to pray for one another. Uh, and it's going to be some intense scripture, and I'm really excited uh, to be able to do this passage. So before we do it, uh, we're going to pray, uh, and we're going to ask God's Spirit to open our hearts to the reality and the truth of His Word, because that's something that God has to do. He has to open our minds, and He has to open our hearts to be able to understand what He's saying to us. So let's take some, a minute here just to do that. Uh, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, um, declaring him as resurrected, uh, Father, as exalted at your right hand, as having paid the penalty uh, for our sins and the sins of the world. And because of that, Father, when you look at us, uh, you see us as holy and blameless, uh, Father. And so we approach you and we approach your scriptures as a people who are holy and blameless, not out of ourselves and not out of our works, but of the grace of Jesus Christ that has been lavished upon us. And Father, we claim that grace. We claim the working of your Holy Spirit that, that revealed the truth to us, that sealed our hearts uh, and our relationship with you and our knowledge of you. And we ask of the working of your Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts now to what you would want to say uh, to us, Father. So we come before you in a state of humility, uh, wanting to hear from you. Uh, so Father, remove me as the speaker, uh, and may your word uh, be proclaimed uh, and be dominant in this place, Father. It's your word that has always existed, even um, in the beginning, Father, before creation, before time and space. uh, The word was there, according to to John 1, and and the word was with you, Father, and the word was you. And so we approach that word today, asking that you speak. And uh, we can ask this boldly as your people. Amen. Good stuff, guys. So Ephesians 1, uh, starting in verse 15 through 23, and I would invite you guys to stand and focusing our minds and our hearts on the Word. If you don't have a Bible, we have free ones outside in our Connect booth over by the men's restroom, and our Scripture is going to be up here on the screen, so I'd ask that you guys follow along. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, And your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the workings of, this new, of, this great, of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You may be seated. So Paul is talking to a, a group. This is a church that was started back in the book of Acts. You guys remember when we studied through Acts and there was a group of new believers that left, that left um, Cyprus, I believe it was, and, and went to Ephesus, and they started a church here, and, and God began to do a mighty work in Ephesus, and the early church apostles, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they came and visited Ephesus and saw what God was doing there, and, and, and we hear about the start of the church, and it was started by just regular people like us. It wasn't started by the apostles. It was just started by believers who met Jesus, experienced him, and they boldly took him to someplace else. And every time I read Ephesus, I just think of Red Sea because it was not started by professionals. And it's never been run by professionals. It's been run by a group of people that love Jesus and that, and that love uh, where he has them, not only here in St. John's, but in the other communities that we live in, in Beaverton and Vancouver and, and in Portland. And, and, uh, and now Paul is writing this letter to them and, uh, and he's going to be talking to them about uh, what it means to be called the people of God. And he's going to start off this passage here just talking about who they are in Christ Jesus. And so he starts off our section. He says, for this reason, um, I, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of, toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering, remembering you in my prayers. He says, I can come before you and I can pray for you for this reason. Well, for what reason? Is it, is it the fact that they, that, they've heard, that they believe in Jesus? They've heard about his faith? I think that's part of it. I think it's greater than that. I think it's everything he's just said in the first part of chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. And so we kind of have to look at that and say, well, f- for what reason can Paul come before these people and pray for them? And so we look in, in chapter 1, and we look in verse 4, and we see that the people were, were blessed in Christ, and they were chosen of him before the foundations of the world, that they should be holy and blameless. And we look in verse 13, and we see that they heard the truth of the gospel. We saw that the, the gospel of salvation was brought to them, that they believed that they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. that's the reason that Paul can come before them and pray for them because God has done this amazing work in revealing himself to them, right? That's his whole premise of praying for them is because God has opened up their hearts to know him. And that's just really interesting because I don't think we pray like that. A lot of times when we pray for one another and we go before God, a lot of times we say, okay, God, I need this. Uh, God, uh, would you work in this situation? God, would you make me healthy? You know, like we have a sick kid at home, and it's, I understand praying for sick children. That's something we should do. Uh, but we don't come before God and one another and just pray over what God has already done in our lives. But that was a regular exercise of Paul when he talked to the believers. He would pray just saying, 
man, look at what God has done. Look that he has chosen us to be his people, broken sinners, and he's allowed us into his family. We are now part of his inheritance. That's something to be excited about, but it's not a regular part of our prayer life. So as we look at Paul's prayer here, why he's praying, I really want us to say, okay, why do I pray? Why do I come before God? And do I ask of God the same things that Paul asks here as, as a group of people, uh, for this group of people? And so he says, for this reason, I've heard of your faith. I've heard of all that God has done, done in your life. Because that, I can come before God and I can pray this. Now here's what Paul prays for them, starting in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. So the first thing that Paul prays for them is that they would know God. He doesn't say God make them safe. He doesn't say God uh, make them healthy. He doesn't say God give them he says, God, would, would they know you? How many of us in here need to know God? Or, or have we arrived? Are we, are we there? No? Was there a hand back there? Uh, right? Like we would say, okay, yeah, I, I need to know God. But, but the reality of our prayers, do we ever say, God, I just want to know you? And then even in doing that, look at the titles that Paul gives God. He calls him the Lord of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In starting off his prayer, he's evoking the name of Jesus. Remember when we talked about praying backwards last year and starting off our prayers in Jesus' name? He models that for us. And, and in starting his prayer, he's like, hey, look at who I can come before you. And just in claiming the name of Jesus, claiming all the work that Jesus has done in our lives. That's how we start off our prayer. The Lord of our God, Jesus Christ. And then he calls him the Father of glory. Man, just that title, the Father of glory. Glory is God's revelation to us, right? Him, him expressing himself to us. His gracious self-disclosure. That, isn't that what we want? To be a part of the glory of God? Isn't that what the, the prophets wanted and the apostles wanted? Guys like Moses, they just wanted to, to, to be a part of who God was and to know his, know his glory. You look at, at passages in 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 3.18 says, with unveiled, hate, unveiled faces we behold the glory of God. And just, and just starting off his prayer and calling God the Father of glory, it's evoking those ideas of who God is and of what he's doing and of us being his people and, and us just declaring his glory. That's a great way that we can look at starting off our prayers and talking about who God is. And so he says, God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, um, the Father of glory, may you give us a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and the knowledge of him. That's something that God has to do. God is the one that opens up your mind to know him. God's the one that opens up your heart to know him. And, and he even, it's pretty cool because when you look at it, he's even praying in the Trinity here. Because he says, I pray in the name of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Father of glory, and the Spirit of wisdom. So he's like evoking the whole Trinity here in his prayer. And he's asking, would the Spirit of God come in and reveal himself to us so that we would be able to know God more? Why does that matter? Why does it matter to, to pray like this? Why, why would we pray in the Spirit? Because it's the Spirit that knows God. 
right? We can look at passages like 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 10, 2. And it says that the Spirit of God knows the depths of God. That it goes in and it actually knows the, the vastness of who God is. I, you know, it's hard for me to grasp that. that how, how big God is. We, we went on a cruise not too long ago. And at one point, we were in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, uh, and I, there's, there's screens around the ship that always show you where you are on this big radar, and it shows the depths of the ocean where you are. And at one point, uh, it was close to 10,000 feet was the depth we're at. Uh, I think typically that most oceans have a, have a depth about, four, the deepest part's about 14,000 feet. It's a gulf, I understand, I keep saying ocean. Of about 14,000 feet, the deepest part of the ocean is actually 36,000 feet. But as we were standing there, and we were out in the middle of the Gulf, and, and I got a picture of vastness, right? And, and I and understood depth. And as I looked around, and, and I just saw this massive amount of water, it made me think about the depth of God and the vastness of Him that I can't comprehend. But the Scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 2.10 that the Spirit of God knows the depths of God. And then now as his children and as his believers, where does that spirit reside? Where does God's spirit reside? In us. (laughs) The same spirit that knows the depths of God resides inside of us as his people. And it can open our minds and our hearts to be able to know the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Christians, if you want to know God, just ask. Ask. Uh, uh, James 1, right? If you, if you want wisdom, if you want to know God, ask of God and He will give it to you. So many people are wandering around saying, how do we know God? How do we know God? How do I have a personal relationship with God? Ask. And so I want to make that a regular part of me approaching Christ. When I come before God in prayer, claiming the name of Jesus, the Father of glory, and, and a spirit of wisdom and knowledge to, to know Him, Man, that's, that's a radical way to pray. That, I, think that, I think we could see God doing amazing works if we would just change the way that we approach Him and what we ask of Him. Because He's a Father that gives, right? He's unlimited resources. Why wouldn't He give to us, His redeemed people? Let's, let's start changing the way that we pray. That's, that's something that I really want us to... To, to land today. And so uh, Paul's not only going to ask that their minds would be open to the revelation of God, but that their hearts would be open to him. So these are the two sides, that you would know God, but also that your hearts would be open to know who you are in Christ Jesus. And so he says in verse 18, so he said, may you, uh, may you have a wisdom of revelation and of knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So for Paul, his prayer is that their hearts would be open to the hope that they have in Christ Jesus, the glorious inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. Now, now those things are, that's identity language. Paul is praying that they would see themselves the way that God sees them. And so the first thing he says, God, would you open their hearts to know the hope that they have? What hope do we have? 
Like what, what's our hope? What, what is it as, as God's children that we have hope in that the world does not have? It's question and answer time. Christ's redemption, eternal life. Can you guys think? What, what, what do we have? What do we have to hope for? Victory, man. Victory over what? Victory over sin, yeah. Victory over all of this, you know? Like, although there's beauty in the world, there's also brokenness, right? Me and Jamie were talking the other day, and in this one day, we had about 16 things happen uh, between disappearing with, with Matt missing, and, and we had family that was sick, we had family that died, there was, you know, a shooting that happened, and in the middle of that, we just stopped and we said, let's remember our hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Because when we forget our hope, we forget why we're living. And I really think that we battle with anxiety and we battle with depression because we forgot the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Believers, we've forgotten that there's something greater than what we have right now coming. We've forgotten that, that God has redeemed us and that although our bodies may fail and we may get sick and we may get cancer and we may die and the people that we love may die and they may be taken from us, that doesn't rob us of our hope because this is not eternal. This is going to pass away. But who I am in Christ does not pass away. Who you are in Christ will be with God for all eternity. So don't allow your circumstances or don't allow the depravity that surrounds you to define who you are. Because it's not who we are. We are God's children. We are His people. Man, that's exciting, right? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want to have that hope? Father, and so Paul is praying them, have your hearts enlightened to the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Don't forget. Don't forget what this is all about. Don't forget why we're here. Don't forget the plan that God has for you and what he's using you for. He also says, don't forget the inheritance, the glorious inheritance in the saints. And it's really interesting. He says, he says I hope that your hearts will be enlightened to what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, initially when we read that, we think, okay, don't forget about our inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus, right? And we do have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Over in the beginning of Ephesians, in verse 11, he said, in him we have obtained an inheritance, right? Like what God did in showing us grace and bringing us into his family and becoming a part of the people of God, man, we inherited something. We inherited the kingdom of God. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, have your hearts enlightened to the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So his inheritance isn't talking to us. He's talking, Paul's talking to God. So what is God's inheritance in the saints? Us. We are God's inheritance. I know. Like when I read that, I was just like, wow. Doesn't that give a whole new meaning to what Jesus did on the cross? See, when, when Jesus died and paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin, he not only just forgave us, 
He actually washed us. With that first song we sang, being washed in the blood, right? The power of the blood. What Jesus did on the cross not only forgives us, but it cleansed us. So now when God looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us as his people, he sees holy and blameless. Do you see yourself as holy and blameless? No, we don't. I see myself as like dirty. I see myself as not worthy. And of my own works and of my own actions, I'm not worthy. That's why grace is so incredible. Man, even this last week, my sin. But I don't. I have to stop looking at myself like that and start seeing myself the way that God sees me as his inheritance. You guys, and me included, we are the bride being prepared for Jesus one day. I'm I'm a gift for God. Like that, God, if you would only open our hearts to see ourselves the way that you see us, Father. Please do that, God. Please open my eyes to the hope that I have. Please open my eyes to the gift that I am before you because I believe that will radically change the way that I approach you. It will radically change the way that I interact with you. But Father, I need your spirit to do that. And I need, it to, I need you to do that in, in us as your people today. Man, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a radical way to pray that we would see ourselves as God sees us. And then thirdly, he prays that they would have, that their hearts would be open to the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. That same spirit that knows the depths of God resides in his people. And and what is that spirit doing? If if you flip over in your Bible, just over to Ephesians 3, verse 14, uh, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So Paul praying again. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask and think. Far more abundantly than anything that we may even think of, according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in Christ, and be glory in the, ch- be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> I love that. I love that prayer, that, that greatness, that power that's available to you guys because you're redeemed. And I don't think we see that power because we're not asking for it and we're not looking for it. This past week I was uh, in, in school with a, a, a group of pastors uh, in Convergence and, and we were talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in, in having gospel conversations with one another. And the, and the guy was saying, you know what? You can actually be praying and talking to someone and ask God to reveal to you what these people aren't even saying. So you can, but God's spirit can open your heart to know what, what needs to be said to other people and maybe what they're even not saying. 
when you approach a conversation, do you approach it like that? I don't think I do. And so I was real skeptical. I was like, dude, theologically, I believe you. Like, I understand what you're saying, but practically, I'm like an atheist, man. Like, I don't know. I, that's just not how I do it. And so we spent three days studying this and talking about it. And then he said, hey, let's start doing this, okay? Let's start claiming the name of Jesus. Let's start claiming the power of the Spirit, that great power that resides inside of his people. And guys, we started, we started listening to God and we started prophesying into one another's lives. And, and, I, and some guys were saying something, and it was like, you know what? I don't believe that's what God, I believe this is what God is saying. And there was brokenness, and there was repentance. We saw demons cast out. Ah, we're getting all charismatic now. It's true, guys. It was, it was incredible, because that's the power like when we look at Jesus and we see what happened in the church, man, we just got done studying Luke and Acts for a year. We saw some cool stuff, right? Didn't we, remember we had those questions at the end of Acts? And we we're like, how come we don't see this? Maybe we're not asking. Maybe we're not evoking the power of Jesus through his people because it's there. The power to heal? Ooh. I had a group of people and you were in them, surrounded me and prayed for me about about a month ago, and they healed me. Jesus healed me, I'm sorry. They, Macker called me up, I was, I was sick, and I had an infection, and he was like, I want to pray for you, man. I want to come over right now and pray for you. And I was like, dude, I'm just sick. Just let me get over it. You can pray for me when I get better. I swear to you guys, that was my attitude. I was like, I, just, I don't feel like talking to people. Just leave me in my misery. And Macker's like, in his grace, he's like, okay, that's fine. And so finally, when I overcame the infection, but I, I still had this problem, I came to church, and he said, we are praying over you today. And the church surrounded me, and they prayed for me, and boom, guys, it disappeared. <laughs> I know. Isn't that amazing? God is alive, and he's active. He's at work here among us. We just need to see what God's already doing. And call upon his name and realize the power that's available to us, guys. I'm saying he's doing amazing things. So what do we look at? What's our picture when praying this? What's our picture when we come before God and we ask that he open our hearts to our hope and to our inheritance and to our power? He says, you want to know what you should look to? Here's the greatest example of God's revelation, of God's great and mighty work. It's right here, starting in verse 20. So he says the end, end of, I'm sorry, the end of 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the workings of his great might? So here's this great might that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He says, you want to know what the greatest work, the greatest picture of who God is, the greatest revelation that God has ever had? It's not in creation. It's not in the vastness of this ocean that I got to experience. It is in the picture of Jesus Christ and him dying and him resurrected, him exalted, and then him put his head over the church. That's what we should look to as the source of this power that we, that we receive. It's in the work of what Jesus Christ has done. That's what Paul prays for them, that they would just realize who Jesus is. Realize that he was resurrected, that he did defeat sin. 
Not only that, but he was exalted to God's right hand. And now he has put his head over the church. That's a beautiful picture that we just forget, that we get so wrapped up in our circumstances and our failures. We forget how incredibly big God is and the work that he has done already. Jesus is the most glorious display of God, right? The word becoming flesh, that's what we should look to. Wow. I just, I need, once again, guys, I need God's spirit. I need to pray. I need you guys to pray that God would open up your hearts to that truth. Because I can say it all day long, and you can, we can nod, and we can say that we get it with our heads, but it's completely different to get it with our hearts. And that's what he's praying for there. Their hearts, because our hearts are a source of our, our motivations and our actions. It's, it's the source of our love, our love for one another. And I want that to be my source to love you guys. I want it to be my source for staying in community with you. I want it to be my source for us being together and for us gathering in this place. The, the reality, the greatness of who God is and what he's done. So when Jesus was exalted to the Father because of his death and resurrection, where, where are we now? Right? So Jesus is exalted. He's sitting in his God, at the Father's right hand. Where are we? In your Bibles, look at Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So because of what Jesus Christ did, because of his obedience to the Father, he was exalted. And where does 1 Corinthians 2, 6 say that we are? Exalted with him. Because of Jesus, I get, I get to be exalted, to be with the Father. I get to now be in God's glory, not, not a passive observer looking at God's glory. I get to come into God's glory. That's how God sees us. As his people redeemed with Jesus Christ, being exalted along with him. Do I deserve that? No. Is that meant to give me a big head? No. It's meant to say, wow, God, look how much you loved us, that you would exalt us with Jesus Christ. And he says that, that us being exalted with Jesus, he said that he put Jesus far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then in 22, and he put all things under his feet. So all this dominion, all of this power, we have no idea the levels of dominion that exist. We have earthly authority, right? And we understand earthly authority, and there's levels of earthly authority. You have people that you are under authority and you're over authority, right? But this says that, that above all rule and authority and power and dominion, even outside of the physical earth that we reside in, there's... There are some levels of authority that exist in God's kingdom. We don't know what that looks like. But he says, over all 
all levels of authority, he put Christ. And then he took all of these things. He took our president and his authority, and he took the authority that we have over our families. He took all spiritual authority. He took all authority that exists in the physical and the metaphysical. And it says that he put them underneath the feet of Christ. So imagine, that's a big picture of God being, Jesus being exalted, right? Like I can look at that and say, okay, Jesus is exalted. Man, look at, look at where he is. Look, God, because of his obedience, God put everything under his feet. And then what did God do? In verse 22, I love this. He put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to who? the church. Wow. Look at that. He, he, took, he put all things under his feet and then he gave him to the church. Wow. That's a big picture of God that's available now to us, that, that's given to us as his people. We are, we are not this, this random group of, of just people that have a knowledge of God and, and they just gather together on a Sunday morning to sing some songs and to open up a book and then to go back. No, we are the manifestation of God to the world, right? That's what he's going to say here. He's going to say that, that he gave all things to the church, which is his body, right? We, we don't have a problem with Jesus being the head. I think we have a problem with us being the body, i got to start looking at myself the way that God looks at me as the body of Christ, the, the manifestation of God to the world. Woo! Like the, God's revelation to humanity is not me as an individual, it's us as a church, us as the people of God, and we together with Jesus, not of, out of our abilities or out of our talents or something that we have to offer, out of God's grace, he's exalted us with Jesus Christ, and he's given us as the body, and we now are the fullness of him who fills all in all. Man, that's a big picture. I've got a little bitty view of church, and God has this huge view of who we are. I have this little bitty picture of the cross, and God has this incredibly large picture of what Jesus has done. Man, God, may you open our hearts to that truth. I think that's why Paul prayed that prayer. And he's going to repeat that prayer all through Ephesians. He's going to keep praying, God, and open their hearts, open their hearts, open their hearts. So we have this incredible opportunity to respond to God now in prayer as his people claiming the name of Jesus and our hope and our inheritance and the power at work in this place. Because God does want us to ask. He tells us to ask. He tells us to persistently ask. Like to the point of it getting annoying, ask. That's the picture of prayer that God paints for his people and the way that they talk to him. And so we're going to ask of God that he would do this in us right now in this place. And I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't. I have no idea what God's going to do after this. When we were with that group of guys this past week, one of the guys came up to me and he said, Hey, you're, he's like, I feel that God is going to allow you to see this next week the most 
I think he said the most glorious picture of who God is. He's like, so God is, he said, with your eyes, you are going to get to see a picture of God like you've never seen. And I was like, okay, wow. This week, I will be looking. And man, I saw it Tuesday night in, in our home community. I saw one of my brothers let down all of his walls and be vulnerable and lay out his, his sin. And, and I saw the church rally around him and pray for him and evoke the name of Jesus in his life. And I saw a, a clear picture of God through his people that I have ever seen. And that's because we asked and God showed up. We get to do that every single day. We get to ask of God and allow him to show up in our lives. And we're gonna do it right now in this place. And there's a couple of different ways you can do that. One thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna actually pray this prayer over you guys. So I'm gonna pray the the prayer in Ephesians over us as the people of God. And then I'm gonna invite you guys to come to the tables and to remember the death, the resurrection, and the exaltation. And when you think of yourself, there's a blank piece of paper here. I'm sorry, there's a piece of paper with some blanks. And you can actually put your name in here if you want to when you're praying this prayer. And just say, God, may I see you like this. Father, thank you for, for, for me, God. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, give me your spirit of wisdom and of power. And maybe you want somebody else to pray this over you. And so we're going to have a couple of members of our, our, our prayer team. They're going to be up here on these front rows. And if, if you're struggling with your identity, if you're saying, I, I believe that with my mind, but my heart doesn't get it, and, and I, I don't see myself the way that God sees me, I want to ask you to boldly step out and ha- come up here and have someone pray this prayer over you. Pray that your hearts would be enlightened to the Spirit of God that resides inside of you. And maybe a few of you want to get together and you want to pray this prayer together, or even, even as, a, as a home community. I won't, leave you, I won't leave that up to you guys, but let's talk to God the way that Paul talked to God. Because I saw God do some pretty, pretty cool stuff in the Scriptures. And I want Him to continue to do that here among us as His people. So uh, as I pray, I'm going to invite our musicians to come back up. And uh, I'm going to invite you guys to, uh, to just close your eyes. We're going to dim the lights And as I pray this prayer over you, I just pray you guys see yourselves as God sees you, as holy and blameless before him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Red Sea. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, give us your spirit of wisdom and of revelation that we might know you better. Father, open the eyes of our heart to know the hope to which you have called us, the richest of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe. Thank you that this power is in accordance with the working of the strength of your might, which you brought about in Christ when you raised him from the dead and you seated him at your right hand in the heavenly places. Father, may we see you and may we see ourselves the way that you see us. That's the cry of our heart. 
And we respond now in the reality of who you are and of what you've done. And may from that we know who we are and what we are supposed to do as your people. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.